But today we're starting a new mini-series, and this mini-series is a three-Sunday series, and we're looking at the topic of the benefits of speaking in tongues, the benefits of speaking in tongues. And um, today I'm going to be giving a little bit of a background to speaking in tongues, and then next Sunday I'm going to be especially homing in on something that's very important about the gift of tongues and speaking in tongues being our spiritual dynamo, our spiritual dynamo. When you speak in tongues, you build yourself up. You actually are releasing supernatural power into your daily life. And I want to talk about that next Sunday, how that works. It's like a big dam. And, uh, and that big dam is filled with water or filled with the Holy Spirit but you've got to let the water out through the dam to produce the power. And speaking in tongues is what lets the dam of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit and his water flow through our lives. That's what I'll be talking about next Sunday. And then the final Sunday, we'll go into a little bit more, I don't know, advanced detail on speaking in tongues. The varieties and diversities of tongues. Strong tongues, worshipping tongues, warring tongues, and how that as we grow in speaking in tongues, how you can actually become... Because speaking in tongues is a language, do you know that? It is a spiritual language. It's not a babble or a few words. It is a spiritual, heavenly language. And just like any language, you can be be beginner, proficient, or expert in a language, can't you? Well, it's the same with speaking in tongues. So in the, not next Sunday, but the last Sunday, I'm going to be really speaking about advanced level speaking in tongues, going a little bit deeper. But we have to do it stage by stage and line by line. And if I don't do today, then when I speak about spiritual t- speaking in tongues as your dynamo, that, that allows the flow of power into your daily life next Sunday, it'll be difficult for you to understand. So today we're going to do some background work. Because I found that actually, maybe not in this church because we do teach on it, but it's amazing the amount of ignorance that's out there in charismatic circles, let alone other circles and Pentecostal circles, when it comes to the benefits and the proper use of speaking in tongues. The first scripture I want to go to is a foundational scripture to the Holy Spirit coming into our lives, the baptism of the Spirit, and also how the Spirit, when he comes, doesn't just want to come and reside in us, he wants to flow through us. John chapter 7, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 7, this is Jesus speaking about the time during the feast, about living water. And uh, he says, on the last day of that great day of the feast, John seven thirty seven, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has spoken, as out of his heart will flow rivers, not just a little tap, but rivers of living water. Well, what is he talking about? Well, the next verse tells us. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So you can see that Jesus is speaking about the day of Pentecost, the birthday of the New Testament church, because that was the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all those who believed and they received the Holy Spirit. But they didn't just receive the Holy Spirit as a container. They received the Holy Spirit as a flow that filled them but then overflowed out of them. This is very important as we begin to unpackage the importance of speaking in tongues. Because speaking in tongues is the main spiritual exercise of what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying that if you're thirsty, then I will pour out my spirit. But it's not just about quenching your thirst, your spiritual thirst. As wonderful as that is, the living water will quench your thirst. 
But it's even more than that, because not only do you receive, but you also give. Not only does the, the river come into your heart, but it's a flow of river. It's a living water. So out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke concerning of the Spirit that they will receive. So when we talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit or filled with the Holy Spirit, more of you, Holy Spirit, we're not talking about, often you'll get people taking a glass and they'll fill up a glass as an illustration and they'll say, okay, you're an empty glass and you want to be filled with God and, and then they'll pour the water into the glass and say, there you are, and, uh, and they'll let it overflow and they'll say, there you are. Well, it's, it's more than that. It's more than just being a filled container. It's a flow. The Holy Spirit is a moving river. He's not a stagnant pond. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so some people, oh, fill me, fill me. Why? You're asking to be filled. Well, how's it going to flow from you? How's it going to flow out of you? Oh, fill me, Lord. Okay. Am I being filled? What does that mean? No, it's a flow. You're a conduit through which the Holy Spirit flows. This is why next week when uh, I show you a big picture of a dam and show you that how, the, how it works, the dam has you know, billions and billions of gallons of water and it's just there. The potential of that flow is huge in these big Hoover dams and other dams in Africa. All this water, but it's not living in the sense of flowing, is it? But when you open the gates of the dam, what happens? All this potential begins, the pressure builds and begins to flow out of these doors of the dam, generating power. Yeah? That's where we're heading in this. So when we see this verse saying, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, the next question is, how does this flow out of our lives? Well, if we, uh, if we go to Acts chapter 2, let's see how this that Jesus prophesied took place and what was the evidence of the flow coming out of their hearts. Where, what was the manifestation of this out of your heart will flow rivers, gushing rivers of living water? Well, I don't need to go too much into Acts 2 because if you've been with us regularly, you'll know in the last few weeks we've been spending some time looking at the church of Acts chapter 2 and what were the principles of the church of Acts because I am convinced that the principles that we see in the church in the book of Acts are exactly the principles that God wants to re-establish in today's church. Yes, we are in modern times uh, but the principles never change. And for myself, the book of Acts is the model for the church today. Just like Jesus is the model for our ministry today. We don't model, we don't minister perfectly because we're not perfect like Jesus, but he's the model. In fact, he's the head and we're his body. And what does he want to do on earth through his body? Exactly what he was doing through his body when he was here for three years. The plan's not changed. He's still making disciples through his body, still healing the sick through his body, still um, uh, manifesting the power of God through his body. It's not changed. And so when we come to the day of Pentecost, we also are seeing a model that will be repeated. How do people receive for the first time the Holy Spirit, this living water, into their lives? And what happens when they receive it. How do we know that somebody has received what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 7, 38? How do you know that you've received the Spirit? How do you know that you have rivers of living waters flowing through you? How does it manifest? Do we just make it up as we go along? No, the book of Acts tells us clearly how this works. And one of the main, one if not the main, well, the main manifestation of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon believers is speaking in tongues. I mean, here it is in Acts chapter 2. If you're not familiar with it, then you can read it through, but most, most of you are. What's taking place on Acts chapter 2? Well, um, 
we have the Holy Spirit being poured out. They are being filled with the Holy Spirit in verse 4. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, imagine them. They're being filled. Okay, being filled. But what are we looking for? The flow, aren't we? Of living Lord. So they're being filled. Well, how? Filled, 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 filled. Well, they're now they're ready to flow. How do they flow? Well, it tells us. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So right there and then, on the day of Pentecost, we see that the flow, the river flow, what was going on in their life, when the Holy Spirit came, he filled them, he flowed through them, and the way that he flowed out of their innermost being is he came out of the water gate of the mouth. When we use the dam illustration next week, and I speak about opening the doors of the dam to let the potential power of the Holy Spirit through you, you'll find that the water gates is your mouth. Now, many other, well, other things happened on the day of Acts, but not, not normative. In other words, there was a sound like a, a mighty wind, wasn't there? But that didn't happen regularly after this when other people got baptized in the Holy Spirit. There was tongues of fire seen on one another's head, but that wasn't normative when we find other people in the book of Acts getting baptized with the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we, don't, we don't see Peter saying to, about the Gentiles, well, we knew they'd received the Holy Spirit because they had fire on their head. Didn't say that. We knew that they had the Holy Spirit because there was a sound of a rushing wind, just like, uh, just like we had. He, he, didn't, he didn't say that. Or the whole house began to shake. He didn't say that. No, what he would say is, and we'll see in a minute, is we knew that they were filled with the Holy Spirit because they spoke in tongues, just as we did. And explaining this first pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the church. And remember, this is really important if you were here the last few weeks, that Jesus never intended his church to live or minister without the power of the Holy Spirit. Never intended that. And that's why he said to them, stay in Jerusalem until you are clothed with, with the Spirit the Spirit from on high, or stay in Jerusalem, as we see earlier in John, until you receive the promise of my Father. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power, when? When the Holy Spirit has come upon me, you, and you will be witnesses. Even Jesus himself, although he never spoke in tongues, even Jesus himself did not minister until he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when he came up from the water with John the Baptist. And he'd lived for 30 years. He'd not done one miracle. He could have done. He was God. Not one healing. He could have done. He was God. Not one prophecy. He could have done. He was God. He just was obedient to his parents and was reading and learning the word for 30 years. But when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him and down upon him like a dove, he was out there. First thing he did, face to face and toe to toe with the devil, and the rest is history. Well, he said to the disciples, you can't go out naked. You must be spiritually clothed with power from on high. You can't do what I want you to do, and you can't live as I want you to live without power. And one of the terrible situations that we find in churches today is powerless Christians. Powerless churches. What do I mean by that? I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Faith, miracles, healings. I'm talking about those things. As, but I'm also talking about the power of the Spirit for holy living. Walking by the Spirit. These things are essential for us. And over the last few weeks and months, we've been focusing on getting people strong in the word and in spirit. Strong in word and in spirit. It's not enough to be strong in the word and not strong in spirit. It's not enough. Forget it. You might as well not be strong in word. It's not enough to be strong in spirit and not strong in the word. Forget it. You might as well not be strong in spirit. 
The only thing that will change your life, your daily life, the situations that you face, the only thing is if you're strong in word and spirit. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be a superman or a superwoman overnight, but you've got to be building strength. One of the things we'll see about speaking in tongues is that it builds you up. It strengthens you, gives you spiritual stamina. And we have brought out the diary for missions month. If you remember, we had a missions month diary for prayer. And now, and you can get this from reception on the end if you haven't got one, we have a a devotional uh, prayer and Bible reading book for everybody at KT. And we take these in our cell groups. We should be, and we pray through what's going on. We've got prayer for every day, and we've got a Bible reading for every day. And even if you don't want to do the Bible reading in the booklet, uh, we mention different apps that you can use on your phones and stuff like that that will give you the scriptures. Because if you're not in the Word most every day or in the Spirit most every day, you will barely keep your head above water. You'll be a Christian just being saved from drowning in the, in, in, in the events of life. Just about... Surface on Sundays. On Monday. Surface on Sunday. And surface a bit more if you've got a few cell groups. You won't do it. What we face in our lives today is tremendous. We're different individuals. But what we go through can't face it. We'll, we can barely survive in it. And yet God has called us to be more than conquerors, to walk upon the waters of tribulation, not be drowned by them. Now, we can breach on it and shout on it. And, but if people aren't being strong, if they're not taking their nourishment from the word and being built up in the spirit, they're going out into this world naked. They're going out famished, weak, frail, And no wonder they can barely survive and barely just stay in the church, let alone rise up and bring God's kingdom. So we've been looking at those things. But what we're looking at in these three days is more the spirit side, being built up in the spirit. Now, when Peter speaks about this event of being filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, this rivers coming in and then coming out of their mouths, and he speaks about this, In Acts chapter 2, verse 33, he explains, Therefore, Acts 2, 33, being exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. They saw and they heard it. How did they see it? Well, when they came out of that upper room, They were so filled of the Holy Spirit that they could hardly walk straight. They could hardly think straight because they were so filled with the Holy Spirit. It was having such a powerful effect on body, mind, soul that they were finding it hard to keep straight. And uh, they heard it. What did they hear? They heard them speaking in other tongues. And the tongues that they heard, they could hear translated into their different languages because the language of tongues that came, it spoke to the whole world. It wasn't a new language for Hebrews. It wasn't a new language for the Jewish nation. They've got their language, Hebrew, Aramaic. But this was a new language for everybody. And that's why it's so important that the first speaking in tongues blessed everybody. It blessed the speakers, but those that heard the tongues, they heard them speaking in tongues, but each in their own language. That's how they interpreted it. So Peter was speaking in one tongue, but French people, if there were French there, were hearing it in French. Uh, Romans were hearing it in Latin. Greeks were hearing it in, 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 in Greek. All the different nations that had congregated, he was speaking one language, yet they heard it in many different languages. Do you hear me? That's important because Peter and those, they weren't, one of them wasn't speaking French, one English, one Welsh. They were speaking in tongues, but the hearers heard them in their own language. Why? Because this is a language for a new people. When was the last time that the whole world had a common language? Babel, that's exactly right, Babel. Do you remember before Babel, 
everybody had a common language. It was English. <laughs> All right, okay. Okay, you got, okay. Didn't even, didn't even fool some of you on that. They had a common language. They were a common people. They were one people. In fact, that unity and that commonality between the people, they were one, one language. But they used that unity to try and rise up against God, didn't they? And the Tower of Babel was their sort of symbol of the fact that they were uniting. And God said, look how strong they are. I mean, God, God could wipe out anybody. He did. He wiped out most of the earth with a flood. So he wasn't frightened, but he was saying, look how strong they are in building this tower. Who knows what they might be able to do? Now, God's still on his throne, but it's interesting how God recognized the strength of this and how he dealt with it. How did he break up this strength and this unity of a one-language world? He came, didn't he? And he mixed up all the languages. And they got into their different tribes and, and they moved away and the rest, the rest is history. Well, now this is Pentecost and now we have a new language. And this is a new language for a new people. The people before Pentecost didn't have this language. Nobody had spoke in tongues until the day of Pentecost. Why? Because this was the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came, and what was his gift? Well, I know he anointed them for evangelism and for witness and all these things. But on the day, on the birthday, what was the gift that the Holy Spirit brought? It was tongues. And I've thought about this, because... You know, when it's someone's birthday that you love, a family member or somebody, you often think about the gift that you want to give them, don't you? And the more important the person is to you, the, uh, the more you think about the appropriateness of the gift that you want to give. Now, on the birthday of the church, on the first day when the Holy Spirit was coming down, I mean, he could have given any gift he wanted, couldn't he? He could have given the gift of healing, through people. He could have given the gift of faith. He could have given the gift of knowledge or wisdom or whatever he wanted to, he could give. But what did he give the church on that day? And what does he give to every Christian that enters into the birthday of the church? He gives them speaking in tongues. Now, they were already believers, weren't they, before Pentecost? Jesus said, you're already believers, you're already clean. So speaking in tongues doesn't make you a Christian. The day of Pentecost was not about making people Christians. They were already Christians. They already had seen the resurrect. What makes you a Christian? Because you believe that Jesus is Lord and he's raised from the dead. You're saved. So they were already Christians. They already had, in one sense, the Holy Spirit working in them in this temporary in-between period. Jesus had breathed on his disciples, didn't he? The Holy Spirit, you can't have God without the Holy Spirit working in your life. You can't have God. Every believer, every believer, whether they speak in tongues or not, whether they've, they've had been baptized in the Holy Spirit or not, whether they've had their Pentecost or not, every believer has the Spirit working in them and communicating God to them. We saw this when we looked at the Trinity in the series on Trinity, we said that the Holy Spirit, he brings the Father and the Son to us. So every believer has the Holy Spirit working in them, but not every believer has been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit according to what we're talking about today. And, and God will work with what God's got, but hey, we should have everything that's available from God's Word. And what pattern should we use? We should use the pattern of scripture, not the pattern of church tradition. I had someone come up to me, because last time I spoke at the five o'clock, I was very strong on, on being baptized as a believer. Maybe I was a bit too strong. Or maybe I was in a bit of a grumpy mood or something. Maybe it was just a bit, if you were there, maybe it was a bit too strong. Well, somebody from another country came up and challenged me on it and said, and said well, I was baptized as an infant and this sort of thing. And I said, well, you weren't baptized as an infant. No, no, I was. And so you're saying everybody in my church and my denomination 
that were baptised as children. You're telling us none of us were baptised. I said, I'm not telling you. I'm just, I'm trying to get the pattern from scriptures. And if you can show me any babies being baptised in the New Testament church, if you can show me, you can't. Babies were dedicated. Jesus was not baptised as a baby. He was dedicated. And it's not enough to say with the jailer, he and his whole household were saved and baptised. It's obvious that those that were, those, those that believe, and so there has to at least be an age where the person is old enough to believe on their own without their parents telling them to. Okay? So we're looking at the pattern of... So someone says, well, you're saying in my tradition, my traditional church, where nobody speaks in tongues. Are you saying that we don't have the Spirit? I'm saying the Holy Spirit is working in you and using you, but not according to the pattern. You're deficient. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to speak in tongues. Every believer, as I'll come to, can speak in tongues if they choose to, if they want to, as, as, we, as we will see. And so he says, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 33, he poured out this which you now see and heard. Now, why is speaking in tongues the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Many other things may happen. Maybe fire will come when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Maybe a wind will blow. Maybe you roll on the floor. Maybe you'll have goosebumps. Maybe, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not saying that, that this is regimented. Many things may or may not happen to you when you are first filled with the Holy Spirit and when you're filled with the Holy Spirit again and again. Many things may happen to you. Many things. But one thing should happen according to the Acts is there should be speaking in tongues. If there isn't speaking in tongues, it's not normal. You're saying that God can't use me if I don't speak in tongues? No, I'm just saying it's not normal. It's not normal. If that offends you, I'm sorry. I was from a tradition where nobody spoke in tongues. Spent years of my life in a church, nobody spoke in tongues. I had to say, well, is it my tradition or is it the word of God? And I will only be corrected by Correct application of the word of God, okay? So that's what we're trying to do here. So Peter, one of the greatest pictures of the importance of speaking in tongues being the flow in your life, and we're just building an introduction here, is that when Peter preached to the Gentiles, he was preaching the gospel. Now, before he'd, he'd preached to the gospels, this is now in Acts chapter 10, even though Jesus had visited Peter and said, go into all the world, they didn't go in all the world. In the old, all the world. They didn't even go into Samaria. Had to have a persecution to push them out. And they still had hang-ups about Gentiles. They really hadn't quite understood that Jesus was serious about taking this world to all the world, every tribe and nation. That The tongues that were spoken on the day of Pentecost was prophetic because it was in every language in, in the world. They still hadn't grasped it. And so when Peter is preaching to the Gentiles, here we have it in um, Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Sorry, yeah, 44. While Peter was still speaking, preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, that's Jewish believers, were astonished as many came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did you know? Remember, this is an astonishment. It's hard for us to understand now. We have to step back into those times. The idea of God including non-Jews in his covenant of salvation was just the most crazy thing that a Jewish person could ever think. I mean, Jesus told them he was going to do that, and yet they're astonished when it happens. They were astonished. Couldn't believe it. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know that they had received the gift of the Holy Spirit? There it is in verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues... And magnify God. Then Peter said, Can anybody forbid water that these should be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? 
I mean, it took the outpouring of the Spirit. And the, they, they were, it didn't say because they had fire on their heads or the, there was a wind. No, what it was, was that they received the Spirit, rivers of living water began to flow through them, and if it flows through you, it's got to come out of you, and it was coming out of their mouths because they were speaking in tongues. Interestingly, in Acts chapter 15 and verse 8, um, I won't go to it, but you can if you want to, they are having a big discussion now because this was just the first fruits of the Gentile salvation. Peter didn't evangelize Gentiles after this for a long while. He didn't then go and this was like a one-off. But then Paul in Acts chapter 13, especially 14, Paul went to the Gentiles. They were getting saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Thousands were coming to Christ. And then people were saying, hey, they need to be circumcised if they're coming to this church. And so Acts chapter 15, the big council of Jerusalem, everybody came together to say, do Gentiles, do non-Jews who believe, must they be circumcised? A huge question. Well, in Peter's response in Acts 15, 8, what he says is, no, they don't need to be circumcised because we saw them receive the Holy Spirit, be baptized in the Holy Spirit just as we were. So speaking in tongues could settle a theological debate about whether people needed to be circumcised or not. It was that much of a normative, powerful experience. One last example I'll give, I could do others, is Acts chapter 19, verse 6. Acts chapter 19, verse 6. Paul doesn't know whether he's come across some believers or not. They knew baptism of John very well, and they seemed to understand a lot of Jesus, but were they Christians or not? Acts 19, verse 6. And Paul said, what baptism did you receive? And they said, baptism of John. And then he speaks about Jesus. And then they were baptized in the name of the Lord. And in verse 6, and when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So there again, we see this being baptized with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. In Galatians chapter 3, we see that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is very important because Galatians are backsliding into law and works. And Paul says, Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? And we could go on. Paul is saying, wait a second. You don't need to do works and laws because you've already been accepted by God and empowered by God to do works of power and witness, but also to live holy. Later on in Galatians chapter 5, he will be speaking that the key to holiness is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we need to let the Holy Spirit out into our character, out into our language, out into our attitudes. That's what we need, the Holy Spirit, not more regulations and laws. But he says, all I need to know is how did you receive the Spirit? What was he talking about? He was talking about them being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was an experience that he said, he was saying, look, I remember when you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Do you remember? Do you remember each other? Do you remember when we were praying for one another and seeking the Lord and one and then another began to receive the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues. You knew you were baptized with the Holy Spirit because you were speaking in tongues. But I knew that you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you were speaking in tongues. Just the same way Peter knew the Gentiles had received the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they were speaking in tongues. Just the way that Paul knew the disciples of John had, re had received the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they were speaking in tongues. And so Paul is saying, you're speaking in tongues, you don't need to go back to the law. This is a fresh Pentecost. The first Pentecost brought the law, the second Pentecost brought the Spirit. You choose which Pentecost you live under and which you live by. By the first Pentecost and law, or by the, set, or by the last Pentecost, the Spirit, which is still going on uh, today. Jesus said in Mark 16, 17, um, that the marks of a Christian preaching the gospel, you'll lay hands on the sick 
and they shall recover, and you shall speak in other tongues. You do the speaking, God gives you the language. I've mentioned that this is a new language, a new language for a new people. It's wonderful to know that no matter what languages we come to, or wherever we go in the world, where the baptism of the Holy Spirit is honoured, we can come together as believers and worship in one accord in tongues. It's our heavenly language. And, and this language is as powerful as the language was to the Babel uh, uh, builders. It's powerful. It's where the flow comes. I'll be talking about this next week. It's where the flow comes. I'd like to finish now by going to 1 Corinthians 12, because I just want to correct something. Because sometimes people say this, and I've heard it more times than I care to talk about. Well, speaking in tongues, people say, in 1 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7 following, speaking in tongues is just one of the nine gifts. It says, verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the Spirit, same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. And they say, well, who are you to say what gift the Holy Spirit is going to give us when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit? So I may be baptized in the Holy Spirit and just be given a prophetic gift. Or I might be baptized in the Holy Spirit and given a miracle gift. So the, the gift of tongues is just one gift amongst nine. So you're wrong, they say, to talk about every believer having. And maybe there's other gifts. There's other gifts, gifts of giving, gifts of administration in Romans, spiritual gifts. So God can give many, 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 many different types of gifts when you're first filled with the Holy Spirit. And so you're wrong to say that we should all speak in tongues. I've I've had that spoken to me. Well, I'm not wrong because you're in error in understanding that there are, in, in not understanding that there are two types of tongues in the New Testament. Two types. There is the personal tongues that you receive first at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that personal tongues, that is for your edification. So if I was to stand here and start speaking in other tongues, I'd be getting built up and blessed, but you wouldn't. Why? And I could start speaking in tongues, and I could stop speaking in tongues. It's up to you, if you've got the gift of tongues, if you're exercising it, it's up to you whether you speak in tongues or not. That's why I'm encouraging people to pray in tongues uh, nearly every day, or most days you can, every day, if you, if you don't get into legalism, but every day, pray in tongues 15 to 20 minutes. Well, if you were say, some people say, well, I can't do that unless the, you've been given the gift. It's like being given a gift, being given a new car or something. You've been given the gift, it's up to you to take it out for a drive. And you can drive it for five miles or 50 miles, that's up to you. You've been given the gift. And the problem with the Corinthians is they were mixed up with this. Because the personal tongues, which I'm going to read about in a moment, that edifies and builds you up. And that's what we're looking at primarily in the coming week. But there is another tongue that comes. And when that gift of tongue comes, it's not for your benefit. It's for those that are in the church. And it needs interpretation. I mean, look, if you look at these gifts of the Spirit, you can't operate any of these gifts by yourself. You can't say, today, Holy Spirit, I am going to move in healing. You can't do it. You can't say, I have the gift of miracles and I can perform miracles whenever I choose. You can't do it. You can't even say, I can decide when to prophesy and when not to. You can't do it. You can seek earnestly the gifts and if you're available, there'll be more opportunities. But we just see in this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, these gifts come when the Holy Spirit desires. And he can give them to whoever he wants, whenever he wants, however much he wants. It's totally up to him. 
You can ask him for it. You can plead for it. But in the end, the Holy Spirit gives it as he wants. I'll give healing now. I'll give faith now. I'll give a miracle now. And he could give as many or as few as he wants. Understand? That's the difference. So that, this type of tongue, I can't, I can't produce this type of tongue that we're talking about in 1 Corinthians 12. I can't. No more than I can do a healing. This is a different type of tongue. And should it come upon me, and occasionally it has in preaching, should it come upon me, this tongue will come out of my mouth and it will hit you like a whirlwind, like a hurricane. And you'll be feeling something in the spirit. And then after that, either through the preaching or a prophetic word, I will then, or somebody else could, but I'm talking about, you know, in, the, in, in a quick service, there'll be an interpretation that will say, this is what God is saying. And that might be me or it might be somebody else giving that interpretation. Yes? Can't, nobody can do that at will. However, the other tongue, the personal speaking in tongue, well, you can do that once you've exercised that gift and been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can do that whenever you want for however long you want. You can do it. And so what the uh, Corinthians were doing is they were getting up on the platform, let's put it that way because it was a church meeting, and they were like, right, taking the mic and Bruce begins speaking in tongues for 10, 15 minutes. You're just sitting listening to me. And this is just my personal tongues, but, but I'm using it like a gift. And at the end of 15 minutes ago, wasn't that brilliant? And you go, not really, maybe for you, Bruce. But, but hasn't edified or encouraged us. We didn't understand a word that you were saying. There was no interpretation. We're just sitting here while you're showing off your tongues. That's personal tongues. You see what I'm saying? And Paul is saying, you know, I'd rather hear five words in church to tell me about the gospel and the word of God than a thousand of your own personal tongues that don't mean any sense to me. If you're going to give a tongue to, to the, to, if you're going to direct your tongue at a congregation, then you have to have interpretation. And so here in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, we'll do this for the last five minutes, he, he's talking about this. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks encouragement and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in tongues builds himself up, but he who prophesies builds the church. I desire that you all speak with tongues. The word he uses is will. Actually, the Greek word is, it is my will that you all, every one of you, speak in tongues. But even more, that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless he interprets. So he's saying, look, I want you all to speak in tongues. But when we're in a cell meeting, we've got to have a word, we've got to have prayer, we've got to have prophecy, not just you cackling in tongues all the time. Hey, I, would, I will that you all speak in tongues. And you are edifying yourself, but it, how's it going to help others? And then uh, later on, uh, he emphasizes that this is a language. He says, verse 10, there are, there are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world and none of them is without significance. And this is what he's speaking about, this language, and I'll come into that next week. Um, verse 14, Therefore, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. We'll come back to this next week. But what, what Paul is saying is this, is that there are two types of tongues. And there are tongues that are personal tongues for your edification, to build you up, he says. And next week I'll be explaining how that works. But there was also in a cell meeting or a congregation meeting, it could be that the Holy Spirit will just come upon your life and give you a specific tongue for a specific moment, with a specific interpretation, and then it's gone. Now, some people then say, well, why do you at KT all speak in tongues together? Shouldn't you, shouldn't you only one or two speak in tongues? No, you, you see, you're mixing it up again. You're mixing the two up again. If we, in 99.9% .9 of KT people speaking tongues, and the 0.1% may also speak in tongues as well. They just need a little bit of encouragement. Sometimes people get stuck in their mind and they get like, oh, you know, they get pressured and stuck in their mind. Like, oh, I have to speak in tongues now. And, there's, and then their mind shuts down their spirit. Remember, he who prays in, a, in, the, in tongues is praying with their spirit. 
And sometimes people have a mind block and they just have to go with faith to God and just begin to speak and he'll give you the words. Tonight at the service, at the end, we will be praying for people who want to speak in tongues for the first time. So if you haven't spoken in tongues for the first time, stick around and tonight you will. And so when we're all together in a prayer meeting, we say, come on, let's just seek the Lord. Let's pray in tongues. We're all praying in tongues. We're all praying in tongues, so we're all being edified. But there's always time for the word, isn't there? There's always time when we'll give prophetic direction. It's not the only thing we do. And anyway, if that's all we did one service, it wouldn't be bad. But for those that didn't speak in tongues, it wouldn't be much of a help, would it? Unless we pray for them. So it's appropriate together for us tongue speakers at times to worship in tongues or just to pray in tongues for a while and build ourselves up. It's appropriate because we're all being built up. But if we didn't, if, if I came to the teaching service and didn't speak to you these words and all I did was address you in tongues, that's not appropriate. So I end by explaining that tongues is the gift that the Holy Spirit brings to us all when we are first baptized with the Holy Spirit. Next week, I'll be explaining how the continuing or continuation of speaking in tongues is essential for a overcoming, powerful, spiritual Christian life. It's essential. Well, I know people that are Christians, and it, well, let's not talk about unique situations. And let us not make the exception, what's the word? Do the rule. What is it? Let's not make the exceptions the rule. Okay? Well, I know somebody who's a preacher, never spoke in tongues all his life, got loads of people saved. What do you say about that? Praise the Lord. God's sovereign. God's, God's not mechanical. God's sovereign. Oh, well, in that case, we don't need to speak in tongues. No. No, an exception doesn't change the pattern. It means that God used someone extraordinary outside the pattern. I accept that God has used men and women and is using men and women in extremely powerful ways who've never uttered speaking in tongues at all. I accept that, but that exception does not then change the pattern. And I would say to them, even if they're moving in a lot greater manifestation of God than myself, I'd still say, well, you ought to speak in tongues. Imagine, imagine what even more you could do for the Lord. It's the pattern. Exceptions do not change patterns. They're exceptions. And God, God can do what he wants with exceptions, but we're looking at patterns here. So next week, I'm going to come to you and expand the benefits of tongues. I've tried to sort of lay a foundation of the fact that you need to speak in tongues. And that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that when the Holy Spirit comes, whatever happens when you're being filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized with the Holy Spirit, one of the main, the main element is speaking in tongues. The flow of the river that comes out of your mouth. Next week, we're going to look at how this works, how it benefits you, how it strengthens you, what happens when you speak in tongues. I've said it builds you up, but what does that mean? What, you feel good afterwards? What does it mean to be built up? How will speaking in tongues 20 minutes a day change your day? I speak in tongues nearly every day, most days. It's, it, if I don't speak in tongues on a day, and there's occasions when I don't, so I'm just going to, and we're not religious legalists here, and there's occasions when I don't, but I tell you, 99% of days I speak in tongues more than 20 minutes. Just letting you know my experience. And I've learned, because I know what it's like not to speak in tongues regularly. And I know what it's like to speak in tongues regularly. I could not go back to irregular speaking in tongues, one-off in services here, there, and the other. I, I, I couldn't, because I could not live. Sometimes I'm barely, live, I'm barely living at the level I should be anyway. <laughs> I could not even live at whatever level I'm at now, which is far too inferior, really, without tongues. Tongues changes my days. I, I can look back on a day and think that's where my tongues came in. I'll just finish on this. I know, I know I'm two minutes over, but God will forgive me if you don't. <laughs> I've been talking about a friend of mine who's big in the financial world, and he was in, he was in, he's in one of my cells, and I noticed he was struggling a little bit and, uh, and finding it hard, life in general, join the club sort of thing. But I said... 
You know, I find, you see, finding it hard. Can I ask you a question? He said, what? He said, are you in the Word most every day? I mean, I mean, if you're not in the Word, if you're not Bible reading, it's an exception, but are you in the Word? And do you speak in tongues 15 to 20 minutes a day? He said no to both. I said, can I ask you, and I'll hold you accountable if you agree, that you will do that from now on? You will do that from now on. He said, yes, please, that's actually, this is why cells are so important. Yes, please, that's actually what I need. I need somebody to do that. So he began to do it, and a change came into his life. His circumstances actually got more difficult, but he got stronger. He got stronger in the word and stronger in the spirit, and he began to see that when he spoke in tongues in the morning, certain things happened in the, in the day that he believes came out of his speaking in tongues. Just as I believe certain things, I can look back on a day and say that was tongues. Not every day, but some days. And uh, we were talking together about a letter that he, um, he recently wrote, actually. It was a, a letter in his business. It was a week ago. And it was such an incredible letter, hitting the nail right on the hen, head. And I said, do you know what? Did you speak in tongues this morning? He said, yes. He said, do you know what? I believe that letter came out of the wisdom of your tongues this morning. Now, I can't prove that to you. But when you start walking in tongues, these things, you go, you, you begin to say, yeah, yeah, I can see that. That wasn't normal. That, that, that was of the spirit. I found in situations I've been in, how I've reacted, and sometimes I don't react well, but sometimes when I have reacted over well, when I've said, when wisdom has come, now God can give wisdom anyway without tongues, but sometimes I know, I know, I know I was in a flow in the car on the way in on the A40. And I was speaking in other tongues and I could feel something happening and I didn't know what it was, but something was going on. I was praying through a mystery. The Holy Spirit through me was praying things I didn't know about. He was preparing me. The flow, the flow was cleansing me. The flow was preparing me. And then when I stepped into that scenario situation, I was ready. And I know it was tongues because I know what I would be like without it. Not a disaster, but I wouldn't have that edge. Tongues will give you the edge that you need to make it in life. God bless you.